Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. We're going to start in Genesis 2 and verse 2. I want to get right into the word here at the top. Uh, In Genesis 2... Starting in verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Amen. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. God, thank you for the way that you heal us, that you restore us. Thank you that you're not willing to leave us as we are, God, but that you care so deeply about our here and our now. I ask you today to speak to us, to give us tools for walking and living in your purpose, Jesus. And I ask you to help me speak it clearly, help us hear it clearly, and help us live it out daily. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love to go to the book of Genesis, specifically the very beginning of Genesis, because it gives us a picture. It gives us a template for what God was originally intending to do. There are so many things laid out in Genesis that we see repeated throughout Scripture. There are so many things in Genesis that we can look at and say, that's what God intended. And whenever I see something in the book of Genesis and then I see it repeated again later in scripture, it tells me that's something that I need to pay attention to. That's something that God is intentionally trying to give me a picture of. And right here at the beginning, we see this picture that God created the heavens and the earth and he goes through all of the six days of where he created everything. And it says that he created human beings and then all of creation is complete. There's no reason that he couldn't have just finished the refrain at that, but then he adds one more, and then God created a seventh day, and on that day, God rested. That all the way at the beginning, he gives us some kind of a picture. There's something that he's speaking to us about the habit, about the rhythm, about the formula that he has for our lives that requires rest, says that he created, he did all of his work, and then God stepped into rest. And he calls it a holy rest. It says that he created human beings, he created men and women. And this is such an interesting thing to me. It says on the sixth day, he created Adam and Eve. And then the first full day that Adam and Eve walk into is a day of rest. It tells me that God wanted them to do their working from a place of rest rather than living their lives waiting for the place of rest. And that's too often how we find ourselves, right? Living for the weekend. I'm going to grind all week long so that I can finally fall my way into my weekend and lay on my couch all weekend long until I have to pull myself from it. We don't live from a place of rest that says I've rested in God and now I'm going to go and be fruitful. Now I'm going to go. We toil and struggle and work and just fall until we collapse ourselves. But that's not the design that I see God lay out in Genesis. God is giving this formula to his people 
people, that there is a rhythm that I have for you. Now, if you weren't here last week, first of all, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it because God is speaking something to us as a church family. Last week, we started this series called Healed People. And we started in the book of Joshua and we talked about how the children of Israel looked like they were positioned and ready to all the way go into their promised land and possess the land that God had been speaking to them for generations. But before they did, God had this final thing that he needed them to do. God had this final space where he said, before you do that, it's more important to me that you are whole on the inside. Your inner transformation is more important to me than whatever external possessions you are going after. And so I need you to remain right here until you're healed. And it's what God is speaking to us, that there are so many things that we have encountered, so many things that try to come and take possession of our soul while we live in the here and the now. So many things that we've gone through over the last year, but even outside of all that we've gone through in the last year or that you've encountered throughout your life, there are things that we are continually going to butt up against as we live in a fallen, broken world that has not yet been fully redeemed while you have been redeemed through his salvation the earth that we live in is still groaning and is still living in the effects of sin and so while we live in that we butt up against it and we're impacted by that if we don't learn a rhythm that allows us to heal from those things so God begins speaking to us about the fact that we are going to take some time and learn how do we become people who are healed who live with souls that are right before him. And while last week was kind of a, a, a launching message and it was really the, uh, the prophetic declaration of where God is taking us, this week we're gonna get practical. This week I want us to hear what God says to us about how we live this out. If our goal is to live acceptable in his presence, how do we begin to do that? So I asked him to get me a chair to keep me a little bit stabilized today so I don't get too worked up. Because last week I got a little bit worked up, you guys. I got a little out of control. Did you guys see me? I lost my, I actually hurt myself last week. It's a true story. I got so excited about making the point that we were going to remain, and I dropped right here, in the, and I sat down on the middle of the platform. Sometimes I surprise myself, and I go in the back, and I'm like, my Lord, I lost it out there. And I dropped in the middle of the platform, and I sat crisscross applesauce here, making the point that we are going to remain until God tells us that it's time to move, until we're all the way here healed but what happened was I did it so fast and then I was going throughout the week and like a couple days later I told Phil I'm like I'm kind of sore and I don't know what I don't know what I did I didn't connect them and I was like I'm not really sure what I did to myself but like something kind of like hurts and like every time I sit like and so finally I had to pause and I was like what seriously what did I do to myself and then I remembered dropping to the floor in the middle of certain and I was like my gosh and I had to stop and take that moment to reflect on where did this pain actually come from? 
And if you, you've had moments like that, right, where you're in the middle of something and you're moving so quickly that all of a sudden you don't really realize the way that you've impacted. I had one a couple years ago that was actually a, a much more um, kind of startling than that. I was, it was about 18 months ago. I was walking in, you know, in an area here. I was crossing the street, going on my way to a cafe. I had the light. It was my right away. I check. I'm like, cool. I start walking. All of a sudden, I'm walking, and I see this car still coming through to turn through the intersection. And me and all of my faith in humanity, I'm like, oh, they're good. They're just like creeping up. They're going to stop. And they keep coming and they keep coming, and I keep walking, and all of a sudden it occurs to me, this car is not stopping. They're just gonna keep coming. So by this point, even though I'm all the way out there, now I'm, I'm like, hey, hey, hey! And I'm like backing up, and I slam my hand on the car, and honest to God, I didn't like fall under it, but the car like hits my leg, and I hit this car, and finally they thankfully stop, and I'm like, hey! And they're like, sorry, and I'm like, gosh, pay attention, right? Sorry, you almost, literally, you almost killed me. Anyway, they, they I'm like, oh, okay, and then, you know, you kind of like stand up, and I'm like, oh, I guess, like, I'm okay, though. I'm okay, I'm okay, and so I keep walking, and I go into the cafe, and I kind of like just carry on with my day, and I can tell like I'm worked up, like my adrenaline, you know when you have one of those moments, my adrenaline has like pumped through my body. So I'm like trying to order my coffee now because it kind of like no one else in here knows what I've just been through. So I'm just standing there. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to be like be chill, but like my hands are shaking and I'm like, okay, that was scary. I sit down and I, I breathe myself, like bring my heart rate back down, you know, do all the like stuff. And I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I know that was scary. That was a bit of like an impact, but I'm okay now. And about two or three days later, I couldn't figure out what was going on, and my wrist was really bothering me. And I kept thinking, oh, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I was like, oh, that kind of hurts. I don't really know what happened. Oh, I'm not sure what my, I didn't make the connection between this moment that I'd had. I didn't make the connection of this kind of like this thing that I, I had just had a couple days earlier, this impact moment. And so then, like, now it's really affecting my life. I have little kids to pick up, and every time I pick them up, it's like, oh, it's pinching. It's like now it's starting to impact my every day that I'm going through. And the other thing that really impacted me that everyone else didn't know, the reason that I know that it was 18 months ago, is because I was in early weeks pregnant with Winston. And I was crossing the road, and I was so shook up by the fact that what no one, I didn't look like I was pregnant yet, and not very many other people knew that I was pregnant yet, but, but I had had this really scary moment where I, th I thought someone was going to run me over, and I also knew that I was carrying something on the inside of me. And sometimes that's how we are. We're walking through life and, and you have all of these things that you're carrying that everyone else can't see and everyone else doesn't know about. And then you have this impact moment and it means so much more to you than it does to everyone else because they don't know about, about the way that your parents spoke to you in your home growing up. And they don't know about how those teachers talk to you when you're growing up. They don't know that you're still carrying that thing on the inside of you. But, but it takes sometimes some, some moments to just stop and to pause. And I had to stop and say, where did this pain come from? 
to stop and look back and say, where did this pain come from? Because in the moment my adrenaline had protected me, in the moment my adrenaline focused in my attention and it, it gave my body a support system that it doesn't have in regular, have you seen those people that like they get into these moments and their adrenaline rushes through their body and they can lift cars off of people? Like a strength that they don't have, your adrenaline comes into your body to guard it, to protect it and to keep it safe. But even even though my adrenaline had kept me safe in the moment, it didn't negate me from the consequence of that moment. And grace is for your soul what adrenaline is for your body. Your grace will carry you through a season and will protect you and guard you in a season, but it doesn't mean that you're not impacted by that moment. It doesn't mean that you don't need to pause and look back and say, you know what, there were some things that impacted me in that, even though I was carried through that season. Have you ever heard people go through something and you say to them, how are you even making it? And they say, I don't know, I don't know how I'm making it because I can look around and I can identify that this is pretty scary. I can look around and I can identify that this is not good what's happening to me. But, but it just feels like there's a grace for this moment that God's carrying me in. There are some things that as I look through the last 12 months, I go, you know what, I don't know actually how I made it, but there's a grace that was carrying me through that moment. There's a grace that God had that walked with me in that season. But here's the thing. There were some moments last year that were so intense, personally, for me, for Phil and I, and we would look and people would be like, how are you guys? How are you guys? And I'd be like, you know what? We, like, I feel okay. I feel God's grace in this moment. I feel his, his strength in this moment. But as that adrenaline started falling off, as that grace for that moment started, not that his grace left me, the special grace for that moment started leaving, all of a sudden we started finding ourselves, when we were in the worst of it, we felt like our marriage was the best that it had ever been. But now that grace was, was moving, the special grace for the moment. Hear me clearly, his grace does not leave you. His saving grace is always with you, but he gives you special graces for special moments. And as that grace started to move, as that adrenaline started to calm back down, all of a sudden, then on the other side, when it seemed like everything should have been better, we found ourselves picking at each other. We found ourselves fussing more than we normally do. We found that those are nice words. We found ourselves fighting at the beginning of this year, even though at the beginning of this year, externally, we were going, wait a second, everything is awesome. We feel like everything's moving, but that grace had lifted, why? Because the impact from the moment that we had gone through was still there, even though his grace had carried us. And you know what, isn't that his grace as well? The, the, the Psalm says that his rod and his staff, they comfort me. It's the same tool used differently. It's his same grace that says, I have grace for you that's gonna reach out in the season and draw you close. That's the grace that you need right now. But I also have a grace for you that says there are some things in that moment that impacted your life and I'm not willing to leave you like that. So now it's the same tool used differently. It's his rod. It's his rod that's gonna come and say, I need you to pay attention to that right there. I have had to more times than I can tell you at the beginning of this year walk from a moment where I walked out of a conversation, walked out of a situation and heard the Holy Spirit say to me, that's not how you speak to that. That's not how you talk to that person. 
that's your insecurity that's speaking right now and that's not what I've called you to lead from, go back. It's like I heard my mom, my, I used to get a lot, like I would do the right thing but with the wrong attitude when I was a kid. And so I heard the phrase a lot while I was growing up, come back in here and try that again different, which meant like I left to do the thing, but I left to do the thing with the wrong attitude. So I had to come back and get the right attitude. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying that to me a lot right now, saying that a lot. Hey, that's not about what's going on right now. That's about that impact. That's about that wound that's showing up. That's about that scar that's showing up. I need you to come back in here, and I need you to go back, and I need you to handle that conversation again in a different tone. It's his same grace, but it's the other side of that same tool. The staff drew me close when I needed his comfort, but the rod corrects me because he says, we're going to remain here until you're all the way healed. I care about you so much that you're not going to walk this way in it. And so I feel his grace walking in this season. Because if we don't go back and we don't deal with the things that have impacted us, if we don't find a way to create a rhythm in our life, every day there are big things and there are small things that are impacting our soul, that are impacting the way that we interact with one another. So what happened to King David, right? So you see King David in scripture, and he's this great, valiant warrior king, but he has this wound because he was rejected by Saul. Saul was the person he looked up to. He was the person he admired. He was the person that he wanted to be his mentor, but Saul rejected David and sent him wandering out. And then David's wife rejected him because she didn't see him how he should have been seen. She saw him through the eyes of the experience she had had instead of through God's eyes, and so he was impacted by this thing, and God's grace carried him while he was running, but there was a wound there that never went back and got healed, and it left a space open that later in his life got him out of God's will when he went and he took another man's wife because he was still looking for that affirmation. He still had that hole. He still had that wound that he was trying to get healed. If we don't stop and take the time to say, God, where are the places that I still have wounds in my life and allow him to speak into those things and to heal those things, we leave ourselves open for attack later on because it felt like you made it through because his grace carried you. But we have to create space for him to come back and speak to us. And the place that we find that space is in his rest. God has created a rhythm of holy rest for his people of saying, I need you to pause. There are things that I need to speak to you about but I can't speak to you about them when you're running from this thing and that thing, when you spend your life so busy and so noisy that there is no space for me to get in. And isn't busy one of the symptoms that we talked about last week? As a result, it's one of the, the things that we have normalized, that we tell each other, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, my plate is so full. Oh, I'm doing so much. And God said, that's not how I designed you. I designed you for fruitfulness and for rest. For fruitfulness and for rest. And the rhythm of the world, the rhythm of the external culture is work, 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 work. Oh, maybe I get a vacation. Work, 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 work. Oh, trip into another vacation. Have you ever had the thought, um... I wish I would get like, wish I would get sick so I could take a couple days off. Like not, you know, like not bad sick, but like a little sick, you know? Come on, 
I know, you guys are laughing, which tells me that I'm not alone in having had this thought before. How many of you that are in like a relatively healthy state have thought like, I don't know if COVID would be so bad, like they'd give me two full weeks off. I know. That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous, but you are running at such a full pace and you have not created the rhythm that God intended for you, which is work, actually is rest, work, rest, work, rest, work as a healthy rhythm in your life that you think catching a pandemic level virus doesn't sound so bad because I'd get a couple weeks off because you are going too fast. Your life is too busy. There is no space for God to speak to you. Peter Schizero, he's a a pastor, a leader, uh, an expert in spiritual health, says it this way. He says, we cannot live our lives at warp speed without warping our souls. Our souls are about our here and now. I know your eternal self is saved and you're gonna go to heaven with Jesus, but what about your here and now? What about your right here witness? What about your right here relationships? What about your experience of heaven in my earth, my demonstration of what heaven will be like? Your soul is so impacted because you are living at warp speed and then we cannot see the things we're experiencing rightly. I, um, I went to Japan several years ago and I'd never been to Japan before, and I flew into Tokyo, and then when I um, got there, I got on this like high-speed train, and when I sat on the high-speed train, it was taking me from Tokyo to Nagoya in like, I don't know, ridiculous amounts of time. You know, it's one of those like super jet-paced speeds. So I'd never been in this place before, and this train is moving super fast, and so when I look out the windows, I could not tell you a single thing I was passing by. All of it was warped in its image, and I had no context for what I was looking at, so I couldn't even grapple with the images and say, oh, I think that probably is because this was a totally different environment for me. We are living in a totally different environment than we have ever lived in before, and you are experiencing things and walking in things that you don't have context before, but we're doing it at warp speed and then trying to pretend that we can look out the windows of our life and make up what we're looking at and discern what we're talking about. And God is saying, I need you to slow it down. From the very beginning, I created a rhythm for you of rest, of a holy rest, of a rest that comes from, this is not a rest that is I finally made it to the weekend and now I get to veg out and now I get to tap out and now I'm so exhausted. No, it's a holy rest that says I have a place for you that I wanna talk to you about your life. I have a place for you that I wanna pour something fresh into you. I have a place for you that I want you to come and commune with me, that I want you to live full of who I am, live full of my presence, and there is a routine, and there is a rhythm to it, and God has designed us from that at the very beginning. He intends for you to live in a daily rest with him, that every single day there should be space of resting in him, of communing in his holy presence. If you read through Genesis 1, there's this beautiful refrain at the end of each day. It says, and there was evening and there was morning, and there was evening and there was morning. And what it speaks to me of is what is evening? Evening is the time when our bodies go to 
rest. That he wants you to go to rest first. First in your mind, first in your heart, first in your living, not exhausted falling into a place of rest, but filling up. He has created your body to need a regular reset. Have you thought about the fact that the designer intended to build rest into the system, that there is something about our human experience that needs time every day that says, I need to tap out from what's going on right now. I need to go and reset my life. I need to disconnect from all of the noise that's happening. I need to disconnect from all of the struggles. I need to disconnect from the work and the weight of what I have, and I need rest. And that speaks to us, yes, of physical sleep. He designed your body with sleep on purpose. He could have created you any way that he wanted to and intentionally he designed you to need about eight hours of sleep every single night. And you cannot function properly when you are running at such a speed that you are neglecting your body's primary need for sleep. Have you ever studied what happens when people have sleep deprivation? It gets super weird. They start seeing things and hearing things and talking to hallucinations that aren't there. Your cognitive abilities decrease massively. You can't remember things. You can't connect thoughts to each other. There are studies that have said it is literally worse for you to be driving tired than it is for you to be driving under the influence of of a substance, under alcohol or drugs or something like that, because your cognitive functions have been so impaired by the lack of sleep. Yet we've made it a badge of honor. I know how to survive on five hours of sleep do you though do you though or are you just running at such a warp speed that you can't actually pay attention to all the damage that has been caused in your life to all of the damage that is happening to your soul that all of the damage that you're inflicting on others around you because you're not well rested literal sleep and I tell you the enemy wants to come after your sleep so hard it's why he's made it normal for us to not have sleep it's why he's made it an attack for you where your mind starts running you haven't thought about that person all day long and then you sit down and you try to go to sleep and all of the sudden that crazy person from your college who used to treat you so badly is in your mind again you haven't thought about them in 15 years because the enemy wants to come after your sleep and I speak against it in the name of the living God. He designed you to get rest, to lay your head down at night and sleep in slumber. I sleep because I live and serve a God who neither sleeps nor slumbers. So yes, that situation might need some help. And yes, I don't have all the answers to that, but as a declaration of my faith in him, I will lay my head down and I will sleep and I will sleep calmly and I will sleep soundly and I will sleep all through the night. I will sleep. But he also designed you for a regular rest in him, to come and connect with him every single day, to find yourself in this holy place that is resting in his presence, to every day say, God, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna sit before you. Speak to me about my day. Speak to me about your words. Speak to me about my life. Speak to me about those hidden things that I'm not. Make, make some of these things that I'm running past, make them clearer to me as I slow down in your presence. What is that situation that I keep having conflict with at work? 
Where is that coming from, God? Speak to me about it. A daily rhythm of coming into his presence. He also designed you for weekly rest. He designed you weekly to disconnect from what's happening around you, to disconnect from the weight and the troubles and the worries of everything that is happening in the world surrounding you, to weekly set ourselves apart for him. It says on the seventh day, he rested because there was all of the work that it was completed and he stopped the work and he went into a place of rest. God has designed you to find an extended period of time in every single week to spend before him, to devote to him, to commit to him, to say, God, this is a holy space that I want to give to you. We think about our week in lines, right? You look at your calendar and it starts on Sunday or on Monday and then it runs into your Friday and into your Saturday and we think about it in that direction. Work, 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 rest, right? And I get to grab it. First of all, the rhythm of God is circular. He works in these cyclical patterns where he says daily, I need you to rest and rest and rest. And then I need you to do that from a place of bigger rest every week. Every week, come back to me so that I can recharge you, so that I can send you into the fruitfulness that I have for you. Spend some time connecting with me. And he calls it a holy rest. What is a holy rest? It's, he says, this is time that is set apart. It's not, this is not time to catch up on all of my chores. This is not time that I'm not working so I can catch up on all of the other work that I have in my life or time that I get to just keep up. No, 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 this is holy time that I'm setting aside for God, that I'm giving to because he's holy. What does it mean that he's holy? It means that he is set apart, that he's different, that he's not like everything else, that he, he's individual. He's been taken out of whatever all this is. And no, 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 I'm not like any of all of this. I'm separate from that. Like, so my boys have toys, right? Not too many toys is what my children have. But they have some toys that are special to them. And we let them have some things that are special that they don't have to share with their brothers. They have to share most of the toys. But if they say, you know what, this thing, this thing is it's special to me. And then they take that and we say, that's fine. It can be special to you, but you can't leave this special thing in the midst of all of the other things because then how do we know that it's special and somebody's gonna end up treating it like it's common, like it's the rest of them. So take your special toy and pull it out. When something is holy, God says, I'm pulling it out of the circulation. I'm pulling it out of the commonplace, and I'm setting this thing aside. I'm setting this thing in a different space than all of the other things so that when you see it, you remember this one is different than all of the other ones. This one is holy. That tree is different than all of the other trees. That mountain is different than all of the, I'm pulling it out to make it holy. I want it to be separate from the rest of the circulation. It's what I did when I married Phil, right? I said, this one is not the same as all of the other ones. I'm going to pull this one out, come on, of circulation. This one is no longer in the pot. This one is no longer available. He has been pulled out to be holy to me and our holy union together. So you can go on dates with, with men. You cannot go on dates with this man. He has been removed from the circulation. He has been pulled, you can smile at men. You may not smile at this man. He has been removed from the circulation and is now separate to me. He has been made holy to me. 
in our holy union before our holy God. God says, there is time that I'm asking for in your week that is not like all of the other hours. I want you to pull it out. Set it aside. This time is different than the rest of the time. And this is the thing. It's like our tithe. We bring our tithe into the house. And when we bring our tithe, we say, I'm going to take this 10% out of the rest of the pot and I'm going to set it aside. It becomes holy, not because certain dollars are more holy than other dollies because I have pulled it out of the general pot and set it aside as holy before God. And when I set that amount as holy before God, it is a reminder to me that when he gives the blessing on the rest of it, then it's more than it would have been had I tried to maintain all of it. I do the same thing in my week and in my day. I say, this time is holy. Yes, I have so many things to do. Yes, I have so many things I want to get after. Yes, there are more clothes that need folded. Yes, there are more meetings that need attended. Yes, there are people that need to be hired. Yes, there are family members who need my attention. But this time right here is holy. This time is set apart. This time is separate from all the other time. And it becomes a declaration of my trust in God that I will cease from all of my other working, from all of my other impact, and devote this time to him. Because when I devote this time to him, that is the place where he begins to speak to me about those things in my life. That is the place where he begins to speak to me and say, I need to talk to you about how your family of origin is still impacting you even though you're 45 years old. I know, I know that you've been a grown-up for a long time, but that way that you're responding to your boss, that's not just because you think that your boss is annoying. That's because of this thing way back here. It's this habit that you, that was created for you in the family that you grew up in. And that doesn't mean you had to grow up in a bad family. Maybe you grew up in a family that was super dysfunctional and you're like, yeah, I know, I've got a bunch of crazy stuff for my family. Maybe your family is relatively together, but there are things that all of us have picked up from our families that we're carrying into our here and now. There are things that have impacted you over time that we've just moved on from because that's what we do, because we carry on because we're people of God and we want to live in victory and he wants you to live in victory but he wants you to feel the fullness of the victory that he has for you from a place of healing and of wholeness so he says daily I need you to set aside some holy time for me Weekly, I need you to set aside some holy time for me and create a habit and a rhythm in your life of holy rest What are some characteristics of holy rest? Holy rest involves a stop. A stop from everything else that we are doing. It is a ceasing from all of the other work that we have. It says when God got to the seventh day, he stopped. If you've read the Old Testament, you know that God gave them a law of the Sabbath. On the seventh day, the children of Israel regularly practiced a Sabbath as part of the laws that God gave them, where for 24 hours, they stopped from everything else. It comes from the word Shabbat, which literally means stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop everything else that you have going on in your life and dedicate this time to me. 
He gave them the law actually because he gave them the rest as a gift to the people, right? He said, I've built this into the rhythm, this gift. But like we often do, we don't recognize the gifts that God gives us. And so then he said, you're not following the gift of the rhythm that I have given to you. So let me clarify this for you and give you some really clear rules about it. And he gave them these really clear structures and rules about how to follow a full 24-hour Sabbath. Now, we don't have to follow a legalized Sabbath in the way that the children of Israel had to because we live on the other side where Jesus has become our rest. He is the fulfillment of that Sabbath. He is the fulfillment of it. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Everything that that was was a picture pointing to the rest that you will experience in me. So when we come into relationship with Jesus, we then experience the fullness of what it means to live in the rest of his presence. But he said, it's still a good rhythm. It exists on the other side of the cross as well. We see the New Testament church saying, I still want you to practice this habit of setting aside time that is just for me. Setting aside some holy time where we literally don't run to everything that we have. What does this look like on a daily basis? For me, one of the ways that I practice this, it it can mean a lot of different things. It can mean putting your phone away. It can mean turning off your emails for a little bit. It can mean not answering all of that work stuff. It can mean stepping away from it, setting aside time to connect with God. One of the ways I do this, I practice daily time connecting, resting in God's presence in the mornings. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It's when I do it. But one of the ways that I remind myself that this time is different is that when I get up in the morning, most mornings I try to do a load of dishes and turn on a load of laundry. We have lots of little people, so there is always an ample supply of dishes and laundry in our house. But when I wake up in the morning, even though I know those things need my attention, I wait to have time to rest with God first. It's a small thing, but it's a reminder to me that those things will be there and those things will get my attention after God gets my attention, after some holy rest happens in my life. So we cease from doing all of the extra other things that need our life. Scripture, prayer, meditation. They're a little package deal. You stop, scripture, prayer, meditation. Spend some time in his word. Then pray about what he's speaking to you. Meditate, chew over that thing. God, what are you speaking in this word today? We stop, then we spend time in scripture, prayer, and meditation. Whatever, get a devotional that you can look at every single day. Do a Bible study with some friends on on the YouVersion app. Connect in his word. Read a chapter a day, read a verse a day. Just get in his word word. Let it speak to you. Let it transform you. Silence. Stop scripture, prayer, and meditation. Silence. This is a big one for us right now. I don't know if you've ever seen the the old Mr. Rogers neighborhood where he does what's a minute, and then he sits there for a full minute and says nothing. It's really uncomfortable. Sitting for a minute in complete Silence is so awkward. We're so unused to it. But we need to get used to being uncomfortable in the presence of God and letting that silence rest on us because it's in that silence. I mean silence. Turn off all of the good things. Don't listen to any messages, like preaching messages. Don't listen to any podcasts. Don't listen to any music. Sit in 
silence with him and let him start to speak to you. Listen to what he has to say. This is the place where he starts to bring up that thing. Hey, you need to go and apologize for that. Hey, you're not handling that situation the best. Hey, I want you to know that you are my beloved and that I see you and that I know you and that you're strengthened in my presence. Silence is part of our daily connection with him. It's part of our weekly connection with him. And then in the weekly phase, I think this one's tough to get to necessarily on a daily, but weekly, we should do something that is soul-filling, something that makes you feel good, something that adds to the enjoyment of life. God designed us to feel good, to have things that bring us joy. He designed us to delight in his presence. And we need to do more of the things that fill us up, not just the straining and not just the laboring, not just the achieving and not just the reaching for the next prize, but things that just allow us to delight in who he is and who he has made us to be. Find some time to get outside and have a walk. Find some time to read a good fiction. Find some time to to enjoy a meal with a friend. Find some time to fill your soul up and make it a holy, devoted time to him. Completely separate. And we create this habit and we create this rhythm because he has created us to live in a rhythm of rest with him. Now, this is not a perpetual rest of I go into rest with him and then I never go into working again. No, he has also clearly designed us for fruitfulness. He has also clearly designed us for work. Work was not a result of the curse. Adam had work in the garden. He was there to be fruitful and multiply. That's the work that God gave him. Toil was a result of the curse. This working, this continual, this grinding away and seeing so little for it. God has designed you for fruitfulness and rest is part of his rhythm of how you experience the fruitfulness that he has for you in his life. This rhythm of, let, of rest gives us a place to be fruitful that comes not from our external doing but from our deep connectedness with God. It is the recipe for the John 15 living that Jesus talks to us about, of being continually connected to that vine, of continually finding ourselves connected to his living word. Let's look at John 15. This is what it says. John 15, one through five. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Again, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he is, is the one that bears much fruit. From a, for apart from me, you can do nothing. He has created you for fruitfulness, but we are so busy pursuing our fruitfulness instead of pursuing our abiding that it is literally killing us. 
Our souls are not living in health. Our spirits are not living in the abundance that God designed for us. Our bodies are being broken down earlier than they need to be because we are running after the fruit instead of running after God. He said, I want you to abide in me. Come on, healed people, find a place of holy rest. Find a rhythm of connecting with God daily. Find a rhythm of connecting with God weekly, saying this is set apart time because I am a set apart person. He has called you holy. He drew you out and said, this one is mine. I have called them my own. And now he wants to spend so much time with you. When you go and you have that daily connection, when you go and you have that weekly connection, it makes it so much easier throughout your day when you're out in your life, in your world, in all of the places that he has called you to have influence, in all of the places that he has called you to have purpose and to have fruitfulness. In those spaces, then you hear that voice so much more quickly saying, yeah, that's the contract you need to sign today. Saying, hey, when you're with your staff, I want you to pay attention to that flag that you keep ignoring, ignoring because you're living at warp speed. And so you're not paying attention to that thing that I'm trying to give you attention to. When you're living in that space, he says, your kids need this from you today. Your spouse needs this from you today. Your soul needs this today because you have caught a rhythm of abiding in him. People of God, he wants us to be so healed. He wants us to be so whole not walking around wounded, not walking around triggered, not walking around living out of our hurt places, but walking around abiding in him. Spirit of the living God, I thank you that you care for us. I thank you that you have called us out, that you have called us to be your own, that you are holy and that has made us holy God. And I just ask you right here and right now to teach us how to find a true rest in you. And I just speak over your people today, God, that their ears would be so in tune to your voice, to what you're speaking to each and every one of us, God, as you walk with us in the here and in the right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There, there is so much more that I could say about this, about this idea, about this picture of rest that we see all throughout Scripture. And, and I think it's something we'll return to often over the next several years, coming to finding, God, how do we do this more? About how Jesus is that full fulfillment of our rest, about the thing that the Pharisees were so upset with Jesus about is that they didn't understand the rest that he was calling him to, that they made it a burden instead of a gift, that he has given you this gift of rest. But what I want you to do with it today is that hopefully it has been something you can take away and say, this is what I'm gonna do this week with this. I'm gonna set aside some holy time. I'm gonna set aside some time to rest in his presence. So I want you this week to talk with your friends about what does your holy time look like? Talk with your life group, talk with your spouse, talk with whoever's in your life as we walk into this space and find a rest in his presence.
because God wants to see so much fruitfulness in your life, so much glory in your life, so much goodness in your life. So before we leave today, we're gonna take a moment just to practice, not running on to the next thing, but just being in his presence, to giving him the glory, to hearing what he would say, to walking in the rhythm of living connected to the vine. And after this your song, you're gonna be dismissed and we'll see you all week long. But I hope that God is speaking to you today about living inside a holy rest as healed people.